welcome to another episode of the School Playbook Podcast, everyone. My name is Michael, and I'm the only one without um, my camera or webcam on. If you're watching from home, I'm having some technical difficulties with that. It'll be resolved by next episode. Um, but today I'm joined um, by Cam and Logan, um, and we'd like to welcome a special guest onto our show, Logan's father, who's been helping us out with many aspects of the podcast, as well as running his own business. So I'll turn the time over to that interview right now. So I understand you guys are going to ask me a few questions, uh, some of them about uh, being in business versus being an employee. Um, I'll turn it. I'll, I'll just leave it to you guys to ask me the questions, and you can cut me off if I'm elaborating too much on anything. Oh no, you're totally fine. Um, I think I'll just go down. Cam, do you have any questions you want to ask first? Um, yeah. So my first question is, what drove you to create your own business and work for yourself? Like, what made you want to become an entrepreneur? That, that's a fantastic question, and one of the best answers I can give you is that I, I'm, an, I'm a horrible employee. I, I'm an absolutely awful employee. Um, what I mean by that is uh, I, I get along good with other people. I've, I've always gotten along with my coworkers. Uh, I've gotten along good with management. This is prior to going into business for myself, but there's always I, – I, I don't remember where it began. It's something that's been a part of me as long as I can remember uh, I've wanted to be an entrepreneur. I've wanted to run my own business. I suppose a little bit of it is a desire to be in charge and call the shots. Um, maybe hand in hand with that is is not ever being able to blame anybody else for what's going wrong or what's not happening. But uh, it, it's just something I've always wanted to do. And when, when I say I, I was a horrible employee, um, I've been in business for myself. Uh, for the better part of 15 years, but I spent a lot of time working for other companies prior to that and even had some overlap where I was an employee and running my own business at the same time for a little while. Uh, it, it's When I say I was a horrible employee, I'm not proud of this, but I, I was one of these people that always felt like I knew more than my bosses did. And I may have been right sometimes, I may have been wrong sometimes, but I always thought that I knew more than my bosses and, and I was always a high producer and a very competent employee at whatever I did. I think oftentimes I put my bosses in a very difficult position of not wanting to lose the productivity that I brought to the table, but not wanting to have to deal with someone who didn't take supervision very well. So it, some of it might've been out of necessity because of my personality and the way I was with that, but I've always wanted to build my own thing, do my own thing. So that has a lot to do with it as well. Well, then with that, I just want to ask, what are some of like the pros and cons of being your own boss? One of the obvious pros of being your own boss is, uh, you know, it's, it's Friday. It's the latter part of the workday. And, and look at the way I'm dressed. I, I work for myself. I work from a home office. Um, it, it's nice to uh, it's nice to be able to do that and be a little bit relaxed. Um, the, some of the pros are, are that. Uh, you get to call the shots. You get to make the decisions. You you get to reap all the rewards of good decisions. Uh, instead of instead of landing a big account or making a big sale or, or doing something that's going to save the company hundreds of thousands of dollars, and then seeing other people get credit for it or seeing other people get the financial reward from it, um, you you get all of that yourself. And there's a there's a great sense of satisfaction from that. Uh, one of the biggest cons is no one's writing you a paycheck every week uh, except you, and that means you have to produce. There's there's a lot of employees in a lot of different jobs that show up each day, 
Um, I'm, not, I'm not saying they do the bare minimum required to keep their job, but they do, they, they do enough to feel good about what they're doing. They do enough to make their bosses feel good about what they've done. And they're going to pull a paycheck, whether the company has a good week or a bad week, whether the company has a good week or a bad or a good month or a bad month, they still get a paycheck every Friday or every other Friday. Uh, when you own your own business, when, when you're running things, you may get a paycheck next week, you may not. And, and that's one of the toughest parts of it. And, and just like it's kind of a good thing to have no one else taking the credit for the stuff you do, there's no one to blame but yourself when things go wrong. And sometimes there's outside market influences and, and things that go on in the economy. But at the end of the day, you fail, you succeed or fail based on, on what you put into it. Awesome. Uh, Logan, do you got any questions? Um, yeah, I've got one that's kind of gone along with that. Um, one of my big questions was, where has your career path taken you? Like, um, what kinds of occupations have you worked in? And like, kind of what has your career path been in order to become an entrepreneur? So when when I, um, I spent a little bit of time in the in the US Army right out of high school. Uh, for a little while, I thought I would make the, the Army a career. I uh, changed my mind on that. I, I uh, started school and and uh, met my wife at school, uh, got married and started a family. Um, when I was newly married and had a young family, uh, the the easy jobs to get were sales related jobs. And I found out that I had a knack for doing sales and it, it, it almost didn't matter what the product was. A, a really good salesman is someone who could probably sell anything. Uh, we make jokes like a you know really good salesman could could sell an ice maker to an Eskimo, um, you know that that's uh, it, it kind of didn't matter what the product, but but one of the one of the tough things about sales is uh, most organizations, most large companies look at their salesmen with an attitude of uh, what have you done for me today, and not even what have you done for me lately, because oftentimes they don't care if you were a top producer last month or last quarter or salesman of the year last year. Their, their attitude is, what did you do for me today and what have you got in the pipeline coming up? And so um, sales jobs are, are fleeting. They're, uh, you know, as, as, as much praise as might be heaped on you one day, you, you might be uh, the focus of the boss's ire the next day because you're not producing. So I bounced around a little bit. I, I went through some different jobs. I was in and out of school in the process of doing this. Uh, but, but through some of these different sales jobs that I had, I recognize that what appealed to me the most was having some ownership opportunity uh, or, or just owning my own thing. So in, uh, in one of my sales jobs, I worked for a company that, uh, that sold investment education. They, they would charge people you know, thousands of dollars to sign up for an online education program and they would have seminars they could attend and they would have uh, coaches they could work with and, and they would they would teach people how to trade and manage their own money in the stock market. Uh, with that particular company, I absolutely hated their sales process. I, I, it was high pressure. It was, it was uncomfortable um, taking the money from people when I didn't think the product was, was justified uh, to the cost. Uh, so I hated that. But what I found out is that I love the stock market. I love the process of teaching and coaching people about the stock market. So I got very actively involved in the stock market. I started trading stocks and options on my own, uh, using the stuff that I was learning and that I was selling to other people. 
Uh, I went to work for another company that did something similar and learned a little bit more. And when that company closed their doors and and uh, had maybe a conversation for a different time, they closed their doors because of uh, two sets of ownership that completely fought with each other and couldn't get on the same page with each other. Uh, when that company dissolved, realizing that I had found within me a passion for stocks and options and trading and the markets, as well as a, a passion for uh, teaching it to people, I started my own company. I started an online education program for people that want to trade stocks and options and make sure they do it in a way where they don't lose all their money. The, the, the entire focus of my online education is teaching people how to protect their money first and then grow it second. And so that's what I do for a living now. I have a, I have a complete online education. I have um, uh, clients in all 50 states in the country and in about 20 different countries around the world. And uh, I, I teach live classes online as well as uh, I've, I've produced about uh, 60 online videos that teach all of the, the concepts of how I trade and how I protect my money. And that's what I do for a living now. So that's the that's some of the things that I've done that have led me to where I'm at right now. Awesome. Um, I guess like along with that, uh, what was the biggest challenge of creating that business? Money. Money. You you you've got to have money to make money, and and that's a very realistic thing. It's it's a cliche that might get overused a little bit, but um, my company started out as a as a once a week newsletter that I was sending out to a handful of people that were paying me a few hundred dollars uh, a year, not even monthly, but a few hundred dollars a year uh, to get this newsletter throughout the year. And uh, it was for a while, it was a hobby that paid for itself. And then uh, one day I just had to take the plunge. I, I had to, I had to pull you know, a good chunk of cash out of my savings. And when I say my, mine and my wife's savings, and take a risk. And I had to spend that money on an advertising campaign through a company that specialized in advertising for the type of stuff that I do. And, and it was scary. I, I, I didn't know if that money that I spent, uh, if I would get it back. And so um, it, it's a combination of um, being willing to spend some money and take some risk. And oftentimes those two things are, if they're not the exact same thing, they're very hand in hand with each other. And so that was the hardest thing was taking that risk. It was it was a leap of faith. There was a lot of research that went into it, but it was still a leap of faith. And thankfully, it paid off. It it, uh, it took a couple of months where I wondered if any of my investment was going to pay off. And then uh, it started to come in, and I was able to invest in more advertising and start growing and building from there. Awesome, Michael. You got any um, questions? Uh, most certainly, I do have some questions. Um, so how are you able to balance work and family? Because I know starting, you said starting a business requires a leap of faith. How, how did your family factor in, you know, that decision for you? It's, that's a great question, Mike. And I, I appreciate that question. You, you have to, you have to create priorities. You have to decide, uh, when and where to spend your time, um, you you have to force yourself to walk away from work at times 
And then at times you have to be flexible enough to recognize that, that something I'm doing with my family right now is not going to be horribly interrupted if I take a phone call, if I answer an email. Um, it's, it's, just, it's just a series of choices. You, you do have to have the support of your family as well. What, one of, uh, Cam, you asked me what was one of the hardest things, uh, and I told you taking the risk and spending the money. Um, probably the easiest thing is from day one, I've had the support of my wife and the support of my family. And, and that's huge. That's something that you have to have is, is the support of the people around you. And, and back to your question, Mike, the reason you have to have that is because there are times when um, business is going to call and, and you have to put some family things on hold. And, and you continually hope that there will be other times when you have a tremendous amount of flexibility because you work for yourself. Can I, can I give you guys an example of each one of those different things to kind of answer Mike's question? Absolutely. Yeah, of course. So the first, the first full year, and I, I'd been running my business for probably seven or eight years as a side business, and I was still working a full-time, you know, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. job in a company that I had a little bit of ownership in. I was like a minority owner, um, but uh, I was doing both at the same time. The first year that I left everything else, left a weekly paycheck, left every other form of income to rely solely on my own business. Things went really well that first year after they got off the ground. We were able to take our entire family on a vacation to Hawaii during the summer for an entire month. And there's not a lot of people that are able to walk away from everything else they're doing for an entire month until they're retired uh, for an entire month. We, we actually rented a house and I had to do a little bit of work each day, but we had a good, I had a good internet connection. I could get up early in the morning and get most of my work done the day. I still answered a few phone calls during the day. But the only reason I was able to do that was, was because of this flexibility of running my own business. A few years later, uh, on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, uh, a company that was doing the primary hosting for my website uh, did something that screwed up my website, and I literally had to spend an entire Thanksgiving weekend. The only time I spent with my family from Thursday morning until Sunday night on Thanksgiving weekend was for the Thanksgiving meal. The entire rest of that weekend, late into the night, getting a couple hours of sleep, getting up early in the morning, I was rebuilding my website top to bottom. Uh, that, you know, those are the things you have to just figure out how to bounce. There's going to be times when you get a tremendous amount of flexibility to do things and spend time with your family. And then you, you trust that your family is going to, to be supportive when you've got the opposite situation and you have to maybe take a lot of time away from them, hopefully for only a short period of time. So you get, it, it, you just have to balance those things. Most days it's not like that. I'm, I'm up working, teaching a live class in the morning. And by the time, People are coming home from school and getting done with other jobs. I'm done for the day. That's the way it is most days, but there's, there's days that are big exceptions. Um, I've got a question for you. Um, with your business and with your career path, who has been like a, a big mentor or a leadership figure that you've had um, while you've been going through different jobs? Because you said that you've been through a couple of different sales companies. So um, is there anybody who stands out in particular, and not even just your career, like anybody in your life who's been a huge mentor for you being an entrepreneur, you being a teacher, um, et cetera? 
So that's a that's a good question. I I've got I've got a number of, of very successful business people that I look up to, primarily people that I have never met, but I but I look up to them because they were uh, risk takers and they were incredibly successful. And I would certainly like to one day have the kind of success they have. Um, a, a businessman that I just admire and look up to, and I've read a lot of his stuff and. Uh, just love the way he took risk was Steve Jobs, the the, the founder of Apple. Um, I I would have given anything to have met Steve Jobs before he passed away. And and uh, I you know whether or not he had an influ an influence on me wanting to be an entrepreneur, I can't really say that. But I I certainly am inspired by uh, a lot of the things that he's accomplished. And 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 he was he was the in my opinion. Uh, the ultimate dreamer and the ultimate risk taker. Um, more currently, someone with an incredibly different personality than Steve Jobs, but who is also very much a risk taker and, and one of the most creative minds, I think, that lives in this world today is Elon Musk, the, the CEO and founder of Tesla. I mean, the, the guy can be, he can be a little nutty at times. He's, he's done and said some controversial things, uh, but the man is brilliant. He is driven, and and he epitomizes the the creative risk taking entrepreneur. Um, so so those are a couple of people. Cool. Um, I can ask another question of mine. What leadership quality do you value most in the world of work, or what what is a what is kind of a quality that you think is very important when you're an entrepreneur or just as a businessman in general, or just somebody who's in the world of work? So um, I, I had a, a local religious leader who was also a very successful businessman. So he, he did, he, he, he was an incredibly successful businessman, did very well for himself, made a lot of money. And then he volunteered and did stuff locally for his church. And I was a part of that and got to know him a little bit. His name is Tim Welch. Uh, Tim Welch wrote a book called Integrity Based Selling. And it's one of the best books I've ever read in my life. And, and I don't, on a personal level, he knows who I am. I know who he is, uh, but it's not like we hang out together. We're not good friends, but I'm not sure if he has any idea how influential he was on me. Um, a lot of times people in professional sales get a reputation for being slick salesmen. You know, we make jokes about car salesmen and, and you know, they, they can talk you into something that you don't really need or shouldn't really spend money on or don't want. And uh, Tim Welsh, his approach was you'll be a more successful person if you never do that. That's, that's you know, a, a very broad, generalized way of talking about a part of his book. But integrity-based selling is uh, figure out if, if figure out if your potential client really needs what you have to offer, and then figure out a way to make it work for them, and and back away if it, if you start to recognize it's something they shouldn't spend money on or something that's not a good fit for them, be willing to back away from it. That shows real integrity within the world of sales. Um, that that's I think that's one of the greatest leadership qualities that anybody has is integrity. Uh, what you see is what you get is a real simplified definition of integrity. Be the same person when you're by yourself that you are in front of other people. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Thank you. Does anybody else have any questions that they want to ask? Yeah, I've got one. 
So uh, you mentioned like in the beginning, there's those people that work better if they ha if they're working for someone else, and then others that work better for themselves. But for those people that like work better um, working for others, or those people that are just getting into the industry, what are your suggestions for those people? Like, what would you suggest they do to start working or to do better? So, Cam, if it's okay, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer the question maybe in a little bit different way than what you asked, but I think I'll be a, I think I can tie it into what you're specifically asking. Um, the world needs worker bees, just like a beehive needs worker bees. A beehive wouldn't work if every bee in there was a queen, right? Yeah. It just wouldn't work. You, you need worker bees. Now, the, now the reason I say that is because I, I don't think anyone, um, no one should ever be diminished. No one should ever be looked down upon. Um, it, it, no one should be rated as, as better or worse than someone because they do better as an employee. The world wouldn't work if there were not a lot of really good employees that, that don't have entrepreneurial aspirations, but simply want to, to contribute. They want to contribute in a more defined role. And, and it's, it's not a bad thing if they, if they don't have a lot of creativity. Some jobs need a lack of creativity and just good followers and good soldiers. So, so here's why I preface answering your question with that. Um, if, at, at the point in time you discover that you may be better suited personality-wise to, to be a worker bee instead of being an entrepreneur and taking the risks and, and doing that kind of stuff, just make a decision to be the absolute best worker you can possibly be. Um, be a person that shows up on time every time. Be a person who can be relied upon uh, by the people that sometimes have to make tougher decisions. Um, let, let me give you the, the absolute best example I can give you of this. Um, my dad did not have an entrepreneurial bone in his body. My dad turned down promotions and chances for advancement in companies. Um, he would, he, 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 I'm only aware of a couple of times he ever changed companies in his entire life. And that was, and that was when we moved, we we moved out of Southern California when I was young, and it, it, it certainly had to find a new job. And then we moved from one part of Idaho to another, uh, and, he, and he went to a different company. But I, I think I'm only aware of maybe three or four companies he worked for uh, in, in 45, 50 plus years. Now, that's kind of a rare thing nowadays. It's more common. It's more common for people to change jobs every three to four years or change companies, even if they're doing the same type of job. That's a much more common thing today, but it wasn't the case in my dad's generation. Um, there were times when, when it bothered me a little bit that my dad was not an entrepreneur, not a risk taker, uh, not somebody who wanted the responsibility of management or ownership. But as I got a little bit older and I thought back on it, I, I realized as I met some of my dad's bosses, we'd be at company functions at, at you know, a company softball team and my dad's boss would be there or uh, one summer for just about a month and a half. I took a part time job working at the same company my dad was at and had the same boss as him for just a little while. Um, something that I realized is that the, the people that my dad worked for loved him 
because he was so reliable. He didn't take a sick day unless he was really sick. He scheduled vacation way in advance if he wanted to take time off for vacation. Uh, he showed up every day. He did his job. He did it without, if, if he complained, he waited until he got home. He didn't complain in front of his bosses. He didn't complain in, in front of his coworkers. He didn't badmouth the company. He was an incredibly reliable, hardworking employee. And there is no business in the world, uh, no, no medium to large size business in the world that can succeed without a lot of good people like that. So if you discover that you're going to be much better as an employee rather than an owner or, or an entrepreneur, um, be a reliable, dedicated employee. Show up and and leave it all on the table every single day. Can I, I, I can I share one more example with you that that um, maybe another one of those people that I really look up to? Do you guys know who Rex Tillerson? Do you guys know who Rex Tillerson is? No. Okay. Right. So Rex Tillerson, in the first year and a half or two years that Donald Trump was president. Rex Tillerson was his secretary of state. Prior to that, Rex Tillerson had been the CEO of ExxonMobil. Now, it's not the case right now, but about 10 years ago, ExxonMobil was the largest company in the world and the, and the most heavily traded company in the entire world. Some companies like Amazon have, have passed it up in the last decade. Um, but, but he was the CEO of ExxonMobil for about, uh, I think around 10 years. Prior to that, he was the CEO of the Boy Scouts of America. And before that, he held some vice president and junior vice president positions. Rex Tillerson is a brilliant businessman. He's, he's incredibly successful. His net worth is probably in the billions of dollars because when you're the CEO of ExxonMobil, you're getting paid five, 10, $15 million a year, plus probably getting another 20 to $30 million in stock options each year. And if you're smart with the way you invest that, you, you can do pretty well. I, I don't know exactly what Rex Tillerson's net worth is, but he's probably worth a billion dollars or more. Rex Tillerson was never, he, he never started his own company. He never owned his own company. Rex Tillerson was a worker bee. He was an exceptional worker bee. But even when he was the CEO of ExxonMobil, he took orders from the board of directors to a certain degree. He never owned his own company, but he was an incredibly successful individual and, and someone to, to admire and to look up to, uh, but not an entrepreneur. So, so you, don't, you, you don't have to be an entrepreneur to rise up to the very top. And Rex Tillerson is a phenomenal example of that. He, is, he in my opinion, is a great example of who anyone who may not have entrepreneur aspirations He's the type of worker bee that you should emulate. He's he's the type that you should look to and say, I don't know if I I don't know if I could handle the stress of owning my own company, but I'd love to rise to the top the way Rex Tillerson did. And there's probably a lot of other people like him that have done the same thing. Awesome, thank you. Yep. Um, does anyone else have any questions? I think that's everything. But before we leave, we do have one more question for you. Um, our last question is, if you could go back in high school, um, back in time, what advice would you give yourself? Don't wait until my senior year to ask Shanna Whitehead out on a date. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> 
I know the story, I, so it is really funny to no, me. There's, but. there's there's truth there's truth to that. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, God, there there's so many things that you could you could look back. It, it, it's it's easy to look back and wonder. You know, what if I could go back and do something different? The, the the challenge with that, obviously, is we don't have a time machine and we can't turn back the clock and do that. The other challenge is, you know, could you go back in time and have any more knowledge or any any more insight than than what you had at that time? It would only work. A time machine would only work if you could go back to that time and take with you all of the experience and all of the knowledge that you have right now today. Um, but I but I'll tell you if if I could magically go back in time and and see myself in high school and and give my younger self some advice uh there are a couple of things i would do number one uh i i I took what i believe was the worst possible route for college even though i finished a bachelor's degree and finished a master's degree i went to college for about a year at the time i got married i dropped out of school uh three children later and one child on the way I went back to school to finish a bachelor's degree and then eventually do a master's degree. Um, I would tell myself, finish high school, get into college, and don't stop until you've got as much education as you plan on getting, whether that's a bachelor's degree, a master's, a doctorate, whatever it's gonna be. Get in and do that grind when you're young and get that in your rearview mirror and 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 don't don't go in and out. Um, I, I would definitely go back and change that. Uh, if I could go back in time with the knowledge I have right now, I, I would say to myself, look, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be an entrepreneur and run your own business. And there's nothing wrong with uh, wanting to be the one in charge, but be a little more respectful to the people who are in charge right now today when you're not. Um, when, when I tell you I was a horrible employee, uh, that that was my challenge when I worked for other people. My challenge was I, I wouldn't always respect their position, um, and I, re, I you know I, I regret that a little bit. Um, so so th- those are a couple of things that I would do. And then uh, you know I graduated high school in 1986. I would go back in time and say to myself, take every single penny you make for the next 20 years and buy Apple stock. Nice. Not a bad idea. And when Amazon stock is trading at under fifty dollars a share, load up on as much of that as you can afford because it trades for about thirty one hundred dollars a share right now. Wouldn't it be nice? There. Wouldn't it be nice? Well, awesome. Definitely. Thank you so much for uh, letting us interview you and yeah. for our listeners at home. Uh, you can find us on any podcast site. You check out our Instagram and Twitter. And if you want to see us, like our webcams, check us out on YouTube. And thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, see you guys later. Thanks for having me, guys. guys.